everlasting. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we first of all commit our plans to you. We lay them at your feet, and we ask you to help us. We ask you to anoint us, give us grace. And Father, we believe this morning as the word of God goes forth, I thank you that you will anoint me to speak and that you will anoint every ear to hear. And so, Father, I thank you for those things. And Father, we believe that together we're going to accomplish tremendous things for the kingdom of God. And everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, last week we began a series that we called, I actually thought we were in the third week, but we're actually in the second week of a series. I think this is the second week, right? Yeah, last week was the first week. And uh, it's a series that I'm calling From Here to There. And I want to just touch a couple of things in review because I know that some of you were here, but you don't think about the messages as much as I do. And perhaps you've forgotten about everything that I said as much as it was awesome and powerful and wonderful. I don't know how anybody would forget, but I do know that from time to time that happens. And so I want to remind you of a couple of things because it helps to build a foundation of where we are going next. And so uh, uh, we began in Matthew chapter 17, and we were talking about God, who Jesus, who was doing some uh, encouraging his disciples. I'll say it that way. And, and to set up the story, in Matthew chapter 17, uh, Jesus had gone to the mountain, top of a mountain, and he had brought three of his disciples with him. Power of God envelops that mountaintop. Moses and Elijah show up, and it's a great time. And Peter, James, and John, they're like, whoo, this is one of the most powerful things that I have ever seen. And they wanted to stay up there. Well, at the bottom of the mountain, there was some drama that was going on, and the remaining disciples that were at the bottom of the mountain, they encountered somebody. A gentleman brought his son uh, uh, to the disciples. They wanted some help. They wanted, he, he really wanted them to minister to his son, heal his son, because because his son was being demonized. His son was having some issues and some problems with his demonic spirit and demonic force was, was causing him to jump in water. He's trying to take his life, destroy his life, jumping in fire and different things. And so he brought him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't help him. Jesus comes down the mountain. I mean, you know, Jesus shows up right after he's like, oh man, I wish Jesus would have not been here right now. But Jesus shows up with the other disciples and the guy, like maybe we would do when we're not getting the help that we need. It's like, let me talk to your manager. Let me talk to your supervisor. And well, here he comes right now. He comes down the mountain. And so he speaks to Jesus and Jesus ministers to his son, brings healing to his son, brings peace to his son. And then later, and this is where we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 19, Jesus goes to the disciples and, or the disciples turned to Jesus and said this to Jesus. Here we go. The disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we deal with those evil spirits? He replied, because you have so little faith. Other translations would say something like, because of your unbelief. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, I said this last week. I want to say it one more time for you this morning. A lot of people argue and talk about what is the, what is the mountain? What is faith in relation to the mountain? How, how does this all work together? Because, I mean, I've heard people Use it condemningly. And, and I mean, I'll be honest, and maybe you're this way too. It's like when we talk about if, if I have faith as a, main, as a seed of mustard, mustard seed, I got a sore toe and I've been applying my faith for a couple of days. It's like I must not even have mustard seed sized faith. That's terrible. And the devil can beat you with that. He can, he can try to whip you with that. Other people, well, if you had faith, you could move a mountain. Or you have so little faith. Pastor Brian, your toe shouldn't bother you at all. You have little faith. Well, I don't think I have little faith, but maybe I have little faith. I know I got a big God. But here's the point. And when Jesus came down to the mountain, one of the things, you can read this, one of the things that Jesus said to them is, how long am I going to be with you? 
you should be able to handle this stuff. I left you in charge and you're not able to deal with this. What's going on? I'm going to be leaving pretty soon. What we can what we can learn from this is that Jesus fully expected he fully expected that the disciples would handle this situation and they couldn't handle this situation and the reason that they couldn't handle the situation was because Jesus identified it as a lack of faith. And so one of the sound bites that we talked about last week was simply this that the problem that Jesus was addressing is that the disciples should have been able to handle a problem they couldn't handle the problem and be, they couldn't handle the problem because of a lack of faith. Now, do not let that condemn you. Don't let that beat you over the head because that's why we're talking about this. There's such good news and encouragement in all of these things. I believe anyway. And so I think this is my personal belief. The mountain is whatever it is that you deem as impossible. That's too big. The mountain is whatever is impossible in your thinking. Now, when Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible, nothing will be, nothing will be impossible. In fact, notice he said, nothing will be impossible for who? You. Not God. Not Jesus. For you. Now, <laughs> If you're like me, you already are asking a lot of questions, right? If nothing's impossible for me, why is everything so stinking hard? Why does it seem like things are impossible? The, the mountain is whatever you've already decided in your thinking is impossible. Maybe you think that being out of debt's impossible. That ain't never going to happen. Maybe you think you're bound for a life of living from paycheck to paycheck, month to month. And the idea that you could ever have a financial reserve or even have maybe leave an inheritance for your kids, uh, all of those things, it just seems like a pipe dream. It could never happen. It's impossible. So you have spouses that, 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 that have nothing to do with God. You've got kids that are far away from God. And you think the idea that they would be together with you on a, on a normal, just a regular Sunday morning is something that's like, man, I just wish that would happen, but I don't think it could ever happen. They have no interest in God. And you've already determined that it's impossible. And when Jesus held up that little seed, that little seed seems small and it seems insignificant when it, when it comes to the size of the mountain that he had just come down. And he said, if your faith, just a little bit of faith can do some really, really powerful and great things. And so faith is the ability to look at that small, insignificant seed, that little teeny tiny seed, and being able to see it as the harvest of what it is that you're asking God to do. That's really what faith is. And so we asked the question last week, what is it that is impossible to you right now? What is it that is impossible? I'm still holding on to the seed. What is it that, I'm going to throw it at Gordy. You feel that? No, you wouldn't. I mean, if I threw it as hard as I could, you'd still never even feel it. That, that, that is, but, but here's, when it comes to faith, God hears it and sees it. The angels, they understand what it is. The, the, the atmosphere will change because of faith that we have in our God. And so what is it that's impossible to you right now? I want you to picture it. I want you to name it. I want you to think about it. What is it that is too hard? What is it that is too big? What is it that has not moved in your life before and it is high time for it to move? And that's why I brought up this to you. I'm going to take it a step farther. We talked about, how many remember the kind of faith that we talked about last week? What kind of faith? Maybe. Maybe faith. I tell you, that seemed to have really struck a nerve. I, I, there were people that, that I've talked to this week uh, that were in the service and got a couple of texts and, and, uh, and, and an email, just people that were like, they were here. And, and, and I asked you to do this. Hold your hands out like this and shrug your shoulders and say, maybe. 
maybe, maybe faith. And we use some scripture because maybe faith, when I say, you know what, I believe you can be out of debt, instead of saying, that'll never happen. Well, maybe if I win the lottery, but then I'd have to play the lottery to win the lottery. I don't know that I'll ever win the lottery. If your hope is in the lottery, you don't have maybe faith. But maybe God can do some, maybe God can do some things. Maybe you can open up your heart and begin to expect. And really what maybe faith is, is hope. Let me say hope. Maybe faith is hope. And it isn't just a natural hope like a, like, like a wish. Well, I, I hope the snow melts. I hope it doesn't get too icy. I, I wish that summer would get here, that spring would get here. I wish that they would stop doing this. I hope they quit doing that. That's, that's wishing. That, that isn't Bible hope. Bible hope is a confident and favorable expectation. Bible hope is a confident and favorable expectation. I don't have the time to go into this, but let me just say this. Faith and fear are reciprocals. They're not opposite. They're reciprocals. And hope and dread is a reciprocal. Hope is a favorable and confident expectation. Hope is when I believe or, or, or expect something really, really good to happen in my life. I have favor in my life. Dread or anxiety is, is, is the reciprocal of that. Dread or anxiety is the belief. Dread is the belief that something unfavorable is going to happen. It is a confident and unfavorable expectation. You wake up in the morning, oh, great, now what horrible thing is going to And you know what? <clears throat> That's really common. That's normal. Let me say that again. That is common and that is normal. <clears throat> people, will, people will join you with that kind of feeling. People will join you with that kind of expectation. The news will, will, will certainly foster that. But if you go around and say, you know what? Because yeah, I've heard people say it this way. You know, if anything bad could happen, it's going to happen to me. Anybody ever heard anybody say that? I mean, if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. But if you went around and say, you know, if anything good is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. You go around saying that, you know what people are going to say? You're crazy. You're stupid. Why would you talk like that? Because I've got a confident and favorable expectation. God is on my side. God is for me, and he is not against me. The God of miracles is a God that lives on the inside of me, and there's not anything that is too hard for him. That is maybe faith. Maybe God is going to show up today, and, and, and maybe God is going to do something powerful, and maybe God is going to surprise me with some wonderful things, and his grace and his favor is going to go before me and exalt the valleys and make the mountains low. That's my God. And here we are. I don't understand why, but it's always me. If you can't say amen, say oh me. And it's time we change our thinking. It's time that we change our believing and change the way that we talk and expect. Hope is a confident and favorable expectation. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I want to read this from a different translation than, we, than what I did last week. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, this is the New International Version. And it says, faith is the... Huh, interesting. That is not Hebrews 11.1 1 in the NIV. Interesting to me. Sorry about that. Let me read it to you in the New International Version. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for. 
It is the assurance of what we don't yet see or what we, don't, what we do not see. Again, I need to tell you, faith deals with the unseen. Faith deals with things that you don't see right now, have not been made manifest yet. That's where, that's where the realm of faith really touches and it applies. People have said, well, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I won't believe it until I feel it. If you see it and if you feel it, it is in the seen realm and you don't need faith anymore. Faith only deals with the unseen realm. And faith, while it is unseen, faith is the confidence of what I'm hoping for. It is the assurance of what I don't yet see. Again, I'll use the illustration of heaven. Many of you believe you're going to heaven, but you've never been there. You've never seen it. You don't know anybody who's gone there and come back and tell you about it. You simply think you're going there. Why? Because you made Jesus the Lord of your life, and the Bible says <laughs> that you will. You've not, faith, is, faith is the assurance of the thing that I hope for. It is the confidence in the thing, that, or the confidence of what I hope for. And so hope is so important. Uh, um, go ahead and put this next slide up because this is what some of you have gotten very, very, very accustomed to. Thermostat. The story about a guy way up in northern Minnesota. This was a long time ago. And uh, <clears throat> he lived in a cabin in the woods, and it was always cold. He had to throw you know, logs on the fire and all that stuff. And he came down into Duluth, I think it was, and got into Duluth. And he went into a house, and he was talking to somebody. And they walked over to the wall, and they turned the button of the thermostat. And suddenly the room got warmer. And he's looking at that thing, and he's thinking, what in the world? How, 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 what the heck is that thing? So he finally got real curious. He asked the person, the owner of the house, he said, what is that on the wall? They said, well, it's a thermostat. Well, he said, you went over there and you touched it and it got warmer. And he goes, yeah, absolutely. That's what it does. It's a thermostat. It adjusts the temperature and, and, and makes the room warm. He goes, well, where'd you get that? So I got it at the hardware store. So on his way out of town, he stopped at the hardware store, got himself a, a thermostat, brought it home, nailed it to the wall of his cabin, and he started turning it. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? But that's what hope is right there. Hope sets the goal. Hope sets the pace. Hope adjusts the temperature. Without hope, without hope, anything, that else, anything else that you want isn't going to happen. Hope is so important, and that's why the enemy attacks it so much. But hope is hopeless without faith. You need faith to put substance or confidence into the hope. Just like you can have a thermostat, well, we've got we've got you know four or five, six different furnace uh, heating and air conditioning units around this building, and what that does is is the thermostat, you know, this it sends a signal to the furnace and it's calling for heat or cool air. And it is the generator, it is the power of that furnace or that air conditioner that, that affects the atmosphere of the room. And it is faith that, that has the power to affect the atmosphere of your life, to affect the atmosphere of what you're expecting, to, act the, to uh, uh, adjust the atmosphere of what it is that you need God to show up and to do in your life. Got to have both. You need hope, you need faith. They both go together hand in hand. Hope is so vital. Hope is so important. Hebrews 10, 35, the author there, the writer there, he said, don't cast away your confidence. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence because it has a great reward. Everybody say great reward. Confidence and faith can go hand in hand or be very similar. Again, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the confidence of what we hope for. I hope you can see that, that what I would call natural human hope Natural human hope is, is that thing that, that we just sort of wish. It's different. 
Bible hope. It is a confident and favorable expectation because of what God has said. God is our heavenly father. He loves us. He's a good God. So whatever it is that you hope for, and this is going to sound a little bit weird, but whatever it is that you hope for is how far your confidence or your faith can expand. The little picture of the thermostat. You know how these things work. If, uh, it kind of bothers me here sometimes. People they walk into a room and it's cold and they'll turn it up to 80. Thinking that the, if I turn it up higher, it's going to get warmer faster. No, it's not going to get warmer faster. You're just going to forget and you're going to leave it at 80. And the next day we're going to walk in there. It's going to feel like it's 1,000 degrees in there. But you can turn that thermostat all the way up. The higher you turn it, the warmer it's going to get, Right? Your, your hope works the same way. Whatever it is that you are hoping for, the, the greater your hope, the, the, the wider your hope, the bigger your hope, the more faith can in, be injected into that and it can expand and it can grow. And, and I think, and again, as we looked at that scripture, the, you know, don't cast away your confidence or your faith because there's a great reward there. This is why the enemy attacks your hope and wants to make you hopeless, wants, to, wants you to feel overwhelmed, wants you to feel like you can never, you, and people's words that they might speak to you. No, you'll never amount to anything. You, you'll never be able to do anything. Your grandpa tried and they tried and nobody, you know, nobody ever did, all those other things. But God's for you. God makes the difference. Amen? So I, I, I feel like I need to ask you this. Dare to hope again. I know that some of you have been disappointed. Some of you thought that God was going to do something and, and it didn't seem like it. This is what I've learned about God in 42 years. I can sometimes know what the end result is going to be. I can, I can believe God and I can, I can get, I, I can see that. But when I'm here, and remember that's the idea, the, 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 the series message from here to there. You're here right now, but God's got a, a there for you. And while I can see the there, I don't always see the route that I'm going to take. I don't always see the path. I don't always see the twists and the turns and the things that look or seem like obstacles to me. But those obstacles and those twists and those turns were all opportunities for me to trust, for opportunities for me to grow, opportunities for me to get a little bit stronger in my faith and let my trust in God develop. And while the, the, the destination was important, it is what I became on the way to that destination that was more important to God. And so I, I want to encourage you, hope again. Hope in spite of what the doctor said or your bank account says. Hope in spite of what your family is going through right now. Hope in spite of what's happening in the world around you. Have hope again. It is so important and it is so vital. Hope and maybe faith as they go hand in hand. I, I just want to encourage you to, to keep doing that. Just maybe, maybe, maybe God can turn this around because I know he can. But some of you aren't ready to take that giant leap there, and you got to start somewhere. And that's what trips us up. That's, I've said this, I don't know how many times I've said this to this church. You always have to start with where you are. You cannot start where you're not. You cannot start where you wish you were. You have to start with where you are right now. Now, I know that's real deep and theological for you, but that's where you, you can't start anywhere else because where you, are, where you are is where you are. Amen? So, 
How do we, how do we, and that's what it is from here to there. How do we do that? The Bible says that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says we're to be followers of Jesus. The book of Hebrews gives the ideas that we are pilgrims. We are sojourners. We are not to be settlers. We are always to be moving. Always to be moving. Always to be moving. You know, we want Abraham kind of faith, but we don't want to. We don't want to leave what's comfortable like he had to do. We don't want to leave the familiar like he had to do. We want the you know Moses splits the Red Sea kind of faith, but we don't want to go back to Egypt and deal with the past. We don't want to leave. We want to go back to what we are familiar with and what's comfortable. With us. You know, we want to be in the ark. You know, like Noah, and we want to have you know while the floods going on, we want to be safe in the ark, but we don't want to build anything. We don't want to get calluses and splinters from sanding the wood that was required to build faith because it's such a thing that seems too big for us. So maybe faith, maybe. Because eventually maybe faith is gonna become baby faith. Do not try to skip this step of baby faith. Baby faith, you got the cutest little baby faith. I'm sure there's more to that song that does not ever need to be sung again. Matthew chapter 18. How many of you have ever watched a little kid learn to walk? A baby that's been crawling. We're familiar with that, right? It's amazing. They're doing the downward lying dog at first, you know, like yoga exercises, and they're pulling their feet up. And, if, and you're encouraging them, right? You're like, hey, praise God, you're doing wonderful. Keep going. Boom, they fall down. They roll over. They crawl for a little bit. They try to get back up. Boom, they fall down again. And every time we're there, yeah, yeah, you're doing so wonderful. You're doing so, come on, you can do it. We stand them up, and they, you know, they do the, the limp kid syndrome thing. Have you, you know, kids, it's like, it's amazing how slippery kids can become. But anyway, <laughs> kids are learning to walk. And, and listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. About that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, surely it's you, Peter. It's you, Matthew. Jesus called a little child to him and he put a child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth that unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes, here it is, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven. Humility is the ability to receive. Humility is the ability to receive. So if you humble yourself or be teachable like... A child. And, and I've said this before. We've talked about kids and, and, and parenting and things. You need to understand that your children are born gullible, we would call it today. They're born to believe. They're ready. They will believe anything that you tell them. How many of you dads know that one of the saddest days of a parenting experience is when your kid realizes you actually can't do everything? That's a sad day. Almost as sad as the day that you turn your daughter over to some hairy-legged old boy that's going to bury her. Suddenly, some other guy is now more important than you are, or at least it feels like it. Well, it is. <laughs> I'm still your dad, doggone it. No, it doesn't count for as much as it used to. But that's a sad day, isn't it, when your kids realize that you can't do everything. Because as parents, in one sense, you're God to your children. What you say is going to happen. Do you know that your kids don't worry? Generally speaking, your kids aren't concerned or worried about whether or not they're going to have enough to eat. They're not worried about where they're going to sleep tonight. In fact, they are very bold to ask you for more. Right? The latest, the greatest, the fastest, the biggest, and the best. Doesn't matter what it is. I don't know why my mother as a kid would give me the Sears catalog and tell me to circle the stuff that I wanted. 
because I wasn't going to get any of it. I think, I, honestly, it was like, other than Sears Huskies, doggone it. But anyway, hated those things. Anyway, somebody like, Sears, what's that? Anyway, I circled everything in that catalog, pretty much every toy. I got a Nestle's Crunch Bar. I didn't even circle that, but I liked it. Praise God for that. Anyway, kids are born with a great capacity to believe. We would almost say that they are gullible. They trust what a parent tells them. And it isn't until whether it is parents that, 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 that let them down or other people in authority that let them down that they begin to realize we don't want our kids to be, we, we, we need to teach our children to be wise, to be careful. We need to teach our kids all of those things. And they began to learn that words don't always mean what they thought words meant. But God's word is not that way. We can trust God's word. We can believe God's word. God watches over his word, and he will perform his word in your life. At least that's what he said. And I know that some of you, maybe you did not have a dependable father. And when somebody says that God is a good father, you don't have a category for that. You don't understand that because maybe your dad was absent. Maybe your dad didn't give love like, like he should have. And, and sometimes it's because he didn't get love like he should have. And so it's hard to you, hard for you to relate to God as a loving father, as a caring father, as a providing father. But again, I'm asking you trust again. And for some of you, this is going to be some heart work. It's going to be some soulish work. It's going to be some hard, deep down on the inside of you effort. Some of you are going to have to get closer to God. Draw near to me, he said, and I will draw near to you. That's why I believe that worship is so important because worship brings the presence of God to where you are. Worship brings, brings the familiarity, familiarity of the heavenly father to you that you can experience him, that you can get to know him. In fact, all right, we'll do that. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment? Just bow your heads for just a second. If you're here this morning, and that's you. You're like, man, my, my dad was absent. Or I've always had problems with my dad. I want you to just let go. I want to ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart. You may have very, very good reason to be angry with your father. You may have very good reason to be hurt. Some of you, your, your, your dads are gone. They've left this life. There's never going to be an I'm sorry or reconciliation in that way. But you can still forgive. You can still let go. Because I guarantee you that relationship that might be strained or broken with your earthly father will affect your heavenly father. So, Father, right now I pray that you would bring comfort, that you would bring grace, that you would bring peace to each and every heart that is here this morning. The limiting factors that, that, that stop people from believing or trusting in you as the loving, gracious, heavenly Father. I pray, heavenly Father, that they would release that, that healing would happen, that healing would come. Thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I still got more to preach, but I just felt like we should do that. So, I, so, so come to Jesus as a, as a child. Children, they're born to believe. It takes them a while to learn to walk. Every step that that little infant or that little baby takes, that's a victory, isn't it? I mean, we're like, woohoo, that's awesome, that's great. I haven't, I mean, I'm walking right now. Nobody's like, oh, that's really good, Pastor Brian. You're walking. 
Why? Because there's more expected of me as a walker, as an adult. I'm a, a professional walker. I have now learned to walk and, in fact, to run. But you can't, well, after a fashion, I can run. And, and so, <laughs> but, but you don't run until you walk, and you don't walk until you crawl. And crawling begins on your knees, and sometimes you got to spend some time with God. Get to know him. Get familiar with him, and he will strengthen you. Do not try to skip the baby step of faith. Every step is a victory. Zechariah chapter 4, the first part of Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not despise the little steps that you take. And notice what it says, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Just like that parent that is so excited when that little baby starts to walk. Whoo, you're doing great. Yeah, you're, that's awesome. You're walking. That's great. God is doing the same thing. When you take a step, going to church, that's a step. And God's like, that is so good. I think that is so awesome. Yes. Here's another big, big step. Going to church when you don't want to. That's a big step. And God's like, you did it, Add a kid, way to go. That's awesome. And sometimes we're going to fall, and sometimes we're going to boom, right on our backside. And God's like, you can, do it. you can do it. Try it again. Try it again. Anytime that you step outside of your comfort zone, join a small group. Tell somebody about Jesus. Invite somebody. In fact, you don't have to invite people to church. You can invite them to watch online. Amazing the number of people that watch online. Anywhere from 100 to 200 and 50 people on a Sunday that are watching online, that's a step. Don't let that be your final step, like step on inside the building. We'd like to meet you, but that's a step. That's an important step, all of those things. And so God rejoices. Let's be like God. What we want to do when somebody stumbles and falls, we want to kick them. What's wrong? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what happened? Did you see that? Oh, my, my, my. No, they fell down. Let's encourage them. So, back to Hebrews 10.35. We read this verse, Hebrews 10.35. need to finish up with this. It says, don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your confidence or really your faith because it has a great reward. You have need of endurance. Everybody say endurance. You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive or you may receive the promise. Something in between the faith or the confidence and receiving the promise that is necessary, and it's called endurance. We're going from maybe faith to baby faith. Don't skip this step. It is so important. We're going to talk about waiting faith next week, but, but, but maybe faith to baby faith. We tend to think that everything is too small. How many of you know that if you want to run a marathon, you don't start out with 10 miles, right? You start where you are. You want to lift 250 pounds, you don't start with 250 pounds. You work your way up to it. Similarly, when it comes to building the endurance, building our faith muscle, we don't start with the mountain. We start with where we are. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, do not worry about anything. I better read this one. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about, pray about, everything. Tell God what you need. I'm going to say that again. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Well, what do I do? I mean, worry takes up half my life. I'm worried about everything. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds 
as you live in Christ Jesus. Our tendency is to think that there are things that are too small for God. That God maybe isn't, it doesn't rank on God's carol meter. I mean, it's too small. It's too insignificant. It doesn't really matter to God. Can I tell you that everything's pretty small to God? Let me say that again. Everything is pretty small to God. There isn't anything that that made God scratch his head and wonder how he's going to help you out. There isn't one thing. It might be big to you. It might be impossible to you, but it's not to God. And so he says, I want you to don't, he said, don't worry, pray about anything and tell, or everything and tell God what you, it is okay. God, I need a good parking place. God, I need some help here. God, I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. I don't know what about my job. My boss is a jerk. I don't know about patience. I, I need more patience. Ask God about anything. He wants to be your ever-present help in our times of trouble. He wants to be our source. And it is going to God in those little things. You might be at a level two right now. You're not going to skip levels three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine to get to ten. Again, from here to where you are to there. And let me just say this to you. Before God takes you there... Before God takes you there, he wants you to learn to trust him here. Before you ever get there, he wants to trust you here. Can he trust you with your time before he gives you more time? Can he trust you with more finances? Are you being faithful with the finances you've got now? You want more influence? Are you being faithful with the influence that you have right now? See, he wants you to trust him here before he's going to take you there. That is, that is the lesson all the way through the Bible. God wants you to trust him here so he can take you there. I, I, I'll finish with this thought. Uh, when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, if you remember the story, first of all, God said, I'm going to give you a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Cloud gets up, you move. Fire moves, you move. Fire doesn't move, you don't move. God said, I'm going to feed you every day with manna in the wilderness. I want you to trust me for today, though. Don't try to take so much manna for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just let me, just, just trust me today. Trust me where you are right now. And really what he was trying to teach Israel is, I want you to trust me with today. I want you to trust me with your life. I want you to trust me with right now. But when they got into the promised land, and you would think, ooh, they're in the promised land, hee-haw. When they got into the promised land, really what God was saying, I want to see if I can trust you. He said, when you get into this land of promise and you begin to inhabit homes that you didn't build and fields that you didn't plant and and all of the things that go on, make sure you don't turn away from me. I'm going to give you all this stuff, but I want you to trust me. And I think that's what keeps us at level two. We're not going to give God more time. We've become satisfied with where we are. And so God, I've, I've kind of become a settler here. And God's saying, before I give you more, I want you to trust you. I want to be able to trust you with where you're at now so that I can grow you to level three because there's some things at level seven that will trip you up. How many of you are gamers? Nobody wants to admit it. A couple of you young people. Praise God. How many of you know you got to beat, usually at the end of a level, there's some kind of something that you got to beat before you ever go to the next level. And it takes a lot of time and effort and patience unless, you somebody, unless you've got some kind of a hack or somebody helped you out. 
You do have a hack that will help you out. His name's the Holy Spirit. But there's, at every level, there are things that you've got to conquer and defeat. And the only thing that will conquer and defeat it is your faith in God. It is faith that carries you and sustains you. Amen. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, cast all your care on the Lord because he cares for you. Do you trust him with where you're at? Do you trust him with the, 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 the ability or the willingness to take that next step? Obedience is so important. God shows up at the intersection of faith and obedience or trust. All right, God, I'm going to do it. I don't see how, but I'm going to do it. I don't know why, but I'm going to do it and take that step. So with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed this morning, I want to remind you that the altar area will be open after the service. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team is standing by. Uh, they will pray with you, agree with you, lay hands on you, cast out devils. I don't know what they're going to do, but they'll, uh, no, we probably won't do that. But anyway, uh, they're here to pray with you as well. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for where you have brought us. Thank you that you have helped us, that you have saved us, that you have delivered us. But Father, there's still more that you want us to conquer, that you want us to walk into and to step into both individually and collectively. And so, Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you're putting confidence into the heart of these people, that you're building faith because it's your word. It's a hearing of your word that produces faith in our life. It gives us the ability to walk, to move from, from crawling to standing to walking and to running. So, Father, I thank you for that. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I thank you, Father. Oh, Father, I thank you that you're moving on hearts this morning. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you would like to today, I want to lead you in a very, very quick and simple prayer. Would you just hold your hand up and say, Pastor, would you please pray with me? Anyone at all? Praise God. Anyone at all? Just hold that hand up for a moment. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. I will assume that all of you are born again. Praise God. You can look back up here. I want you to listen for the Holy Spirit this week. He's going to ask you to take a step. And at first, you're not going to want to. And it might seem small and insignificant like that little seed, but I guarantee you that if you're willing to take that step, there's something that is good on the other side of that step. So don't be afraid. Step into it. Walk boldly. Trust him. And tell somebody else about what, what it is that God's doing in your life. Amen? Praise God. God bless you. Have an awesome day. And we will see you next weekend. Praise the Lord.